we are late to the party but when we come to the party we come in large numbers and you know that's what i see uh, happening to crypto because of india maybe in the next 2 to 3 years if the de- the pace of development keeps up and uh, we are able to reach a stage where mass audiences can use uh, crypto products i think india will be one of the biggest contributor because the rate at which awareness of crypto is spreading today it's uh, it's mind boggling uh, tens and thousands of people get, discover crypto every day in india now and that's going to just bubble up you know tech you know the network effect model when it catches up in the next 6 to 12 months it's going to bubble into tens and millions of people in india understanding crypto hello everybody welcome back to masari's unqualified opinions this episode on qualified opinions brought to you by Luca. You can save money this tax season with Luca Tax. It's the only time-tested crypto tax software that allows you to cap uh, calculate capital gains and losses and see the results using three different accounting methods side by side, all for free. You only pay if you want to see their detailed tax reports and submit your forms using their software. Stay out of trouble, use promo code Masari Tax and save even more this tax tax season at lukatax l u k k a t a x.com using promo code masari tax to your taxes bitstamp is a big supporter of masari they're the original global cryptocurrency exchange and since 2011 have been a preferred exchange for serious traders and investors they've got a professional grade platform with a nasdaq matching engine some of the best apis in the industry and advanced trade view interface on web and mobile They've got unmatched customer service, no bots, real live people around the clock helping you out via phone, email, and social media. So you can download the Bitstamp app from the App Store or Google Play and visit bitstamp.net/pro to start trading today. That's bitstamp.net/pro. crypto.com is a big supporter of ours. Uh, how much are you paying for your crypto purchase? Uh, crypto.com is now waiving 3.5% credit card fees for all crypto purchases and Apart from that, you can also get a great deal on food and grocery shopping with up to 10% back when you pay with their MCO Visa card. Don't have a credit card? You can buy a gift card on crypto.com app, get 20% back, just download the crypto.com app today. Pretty easy to remember that domain, crypto.com, and enjoy offers until the end of September. And then finally, This episode is brought to you by Choice by Kingdom Trust. If you own Bitcoin and have a retirement account but don't own Bitcoin in your retirement account, you want to get on that. Just check out Choice by Kingdom Trust, which allows you to hold Bitcoin, stocks, ETFs, gold, and more all in one place. The first 1000 users who open a Choice IRA will receive $62 in free Bitcoin. You can join the waitlist at retirewithchoice.com/sorry and share with your friends to secure the bag and get that free Bitcoin. Podcast listeners also receive extra points to move up their waitlist. So again, check out retirewithchoice.com/sorry. We're going to kick off today with a conversation I've been looking forward to for a while with Nishal Shetty. Uh he is one of the leading entrepreneurs in India. Wazerex is part of the Internet and Mobile Association of India. It's one of the largest exchanges, crypto exchanges in India. So a lot to talk about uh regarding both the Indian crypto scene and the general uh performance of Bitcoin and other assets in emerging markets. Uh but in particular India is interesting because it is the largest democracy in the world. They've had a number of interesting macro events over the course of the last year including a demonetization 
where many people were stuck in bank lines trying to redeem their cash after the governments slashed the maximum size paper currency. Uh, they have a cultural affinity for gold. We're going to see exactly what that translates to in terms of digital gold and uh, talk about quite a few topics that might be of interest as we think about emerging market interest in crypto beyond just China and East Asia. So uh, the South Asian perspective, long overdue for this podcast, and I'm excited to talk a little bit more about it. Uh, Michelle, thank All you. Right. For, yeah, uh, great, uh, great to connect here. So uh, why don't we why don't we start just by um, uh, having you introduce yourself and and talk a little bit about uh, Wazirx and and uh, some of the work that you've been doing uh, over the last couple of years. Maybe you know start just with the origin story, personally, how you fell down the, the crypto rabbit hole. Alright, uh, sure. Um, so uh, to give a bit of a background about me, I started my career as a software engineer, you know, uh, writing code for a, a typical corporate job, and then eventually I quit my job and started up uh, a social media management app uh, called Crowdfire. And this was way back in 2010, uh, when when Twitter was still new and uh, building on top of the Twitter API was like a, a really new thing, the whole API platforms and stuff. Um, the app went viral, uh, signed up millions of users on that. And uh, while this was happening, I was also in the whole uh, zone of finding what was new in tech all the time, You know, reading every blog that spoke about uh, new techs and stuff. So I came across Bitcoin way early, right in 2009. I even vaguely remember uh, trying to mine Bitcoin on my uh, PC back then. Uh, but it was just that, you know, just coming across it, trying it out, and then moving on. Uh, then I again got into uh, Bitcoin in 2012 and 2013, when a, a couple of um, crypto wallets started emerging in that space. Um, again, tried out uh, a few of those early wallets and uh, sent you know uh, Bitcoins to my friends, um, received some, and then again I just let it be. Uh, then in 2017 is when the whole uh, you know I got in the rabbit hole, says that I've never been able to come out of it. So. I would say my initiation into crypto happened in 2017. Um, and in 2018, I built Wazirx. Uh, my, my idea was uh, to build sort of uh, a, a way for people in India to easily onboard to crypto. And when I experienced uh, global products and products that were being built in our country, I saw a stark difference in the whole uh, uh, user experience. And that motivated me to build something which uh, everyone in India could you know, easily onboard to crypto. And that's how I ended up building Wazirx. Uh, and and so, what year was this that you started the company? Uh, uh, Wazirx, I started in twenty eighteen. Okay. Um, now, it, the uh, India regulatory uh, environment is a bit of a black box, uh, and you know, I, I know kind of firsthand in, in uh, having been an early investor in Unicoin, uh, one of the early exchanges uh, in India, how. Uh, frequently, the government has appeared to flip-flop, uh, not just over details or about ICOs, but but just blanket bans or non-bans of, of, of crypto in the country over the last several years. Can you talk about the evolution? I mean, uh, you, you started um, was your X in, in 2018, but um, leading up to that, can you just talk about uh, exactly what the evolution of the legality of crypto services looked like for the, the few years prior to that um, 
because I think there's some uh, misconceptions uh, maybe around uh, Bitcoin and, and, and crypto's general status, uh, or at least what its path to acceptance and, and, and credibility has been uh, and, and whether there are still outstanding risks uh, in the country for those that are actually participating, particularly those who are offering services uh, like you are. Yeah, I think, uh, so let's let's look at this. 2018, in fact, was very, very crucial to the whole, uh, I would say, regulatory aspect of crypto uh, in India. But uh, as you were talking about the years before that, uh, I think the government as such has never come out with a statement saying uh, you ca cannot deal with crypto or you cannot in crypto in India. The, there has never been an official statement by our government. Uh, but the Central Bank of India, which is the RBI, the Reserve Bank of India, they've always uh, you know, had these, uh, what do you say, announcements, uh, which was sort of like circulars, where uh, they cautioned the public against uh, dealing with crypto, uh, saying that cryptocurrencies are volatile and you might lose all your money. There's a lot of scam in the uh, crypto ecosystem. So these were more of like, I would say, just uh, announcements by the central bank. Uh, but there was never a stop to crypto trading or to crypto involvement. You were free to do it. So this was all the years before 2018. Uh, what happened in 2018 was that the Reserve Bank of India put out a circular saying uh, none of the banks in the country can actually deal with any business or any individual who's dealing with cryptocurrencies. So this was like the, I would say, the moment where the whole uh, industry had to, um, you know, we took the legal route eventually because we were not allowed access to banking. And that means uh, that you cannot run your business easily in India, uh, in the crypto space. So this for us, surprisingly, uh, we launched on March 2018. And I think uh, three weeks after our launch, the announcement happened from the RBI saying that you cannot uh, deal with uh, crypto exchanges in the country, none of the banks in the country. And we were like, you know, uh, we just launched and we don't know now after a couple of months, we won't have bank accounts to operate our business. Uh, and that was the situation in India. Uh, you want, I can go on about how this happened, but if you have any questions around uh, the banking ban, we can, I'm happy to discuss that first. Well, I mean, that's the end all be all right you know the for 99% of users in crypto the path uh to getting involved in the industry is is making some fiat purchase uh of, of a given asset you know maybe the one 1% will earn it or or you know have it gifted to them or or something like that um but the the banking ban was was pretty major how how did how did that you know come to be and, and ultimately what was the uh, the wind down of that Right. So a few things happened with the banking ban. I think the first thing that happened was the, uh, you know, it was very surprising, the level of misinformation that was spread uh, because the ban. So even the term ban, to be precise, is not the right term to use here, because uh, what the central bank said is that, see, the, the central bank in India, the Reserve Bank, can only manage other banks under them. They're just a regulator of other banks in the country. Uh, they do not uh, you know, regulate people. They do not uh, tell what people should do and should not do. All they can do is tell the banks what to do. So the Reserve Bank of India, what they said is, none of the banks should deal with crypto businesses. That was the only thing. Uh, but the news that spread across the world uh, in the media was that crypto is banned in India. So that was like the first uh, thing where we had to fight a lot 
by putting out the right information that there is no crypto ban in india there is just a banking restriction in the country that we as businesses cannot take banking uh, so i think the whole uh, uh, miscommunication and that lasted for a long long time we had to uh, i mean you know talk to everyone in the media uh, talk to every everyone in uh, not just the country but internationally to tell them it's not a ban it's a restriction on uh, banking access but you know narratives are narratives what happened is uh, it was assumed that there's a ban uh, what we decided is how do we tackle this the question was a uh, ban or not but how do we tackle because without banking access we cannot like you said uh, banking is the most important aspect for people to go from uh, being no coiners to coiners uh, the first mm-hmm. time you buy you need fiat uh, so so we said we could do two things one is we could challenge this judgment in the supreme court of india which we did as an organization as an industry uh, so we are part of internet and mobile association of india which is iama uh so we we put a co- court case and we hoped that the case would uh, come to a conclusion within let's say one or two or three months uh but we soon realized that this is going to be a long drawn battle uh which by the way lasted for i think over one and a half years uh now in that time frame there were two things you could do either you sit at home and not do anything and just hope that the court case is finally com- it comes to a conclusion and you win it or what we did was we introduced a peer to peer way for people to deal with uh, cryptocurrencies so while the banking ban restricted us as a business from having bank accounts it did not stop you from having a bank account in the country i mean you as an individual could have a bank account uh, you mm-hmm. can transfer money to anyone in the country so what we did is we just connected you with the seller uh, so if you were buying crypto for the first time we would connect you with someone else who was ready to sell it and you could do direct bank transfers amongst each other so as a as a company we never had a bank account but we still facilitated the buying and selling of cryptocurrencies in india when the banking ban lasted yep um now what is what is the next step for the central bank because you know following this uh this victory in in the supreme court in march um you know it, it doesn't feel like it's over right uh like if if the central if the central bank and and you know the, the powers that be you know want to regulate or 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 significantly crack down on some type of activity um even if they lose at that level usually what will happen is they'll kind of tweak their approach and then they'll come back with something that is a slightly less aggressive version of a crypto ban um at the same time there's an opportunity to kind of reengage and and educate and 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 help bridge the gap uh through self regulation right and i believe that's what what this organization is has has done can you talk about the uh the strategy for kind of part 2 here so you have this uh very critical victory um to normalize crypto adoption and and ensure that the services and and the providers that are actually working to build the infrastructure you know in in the country are going to go to jail right uh and and are going to have these you know very extreme outcomes um for pushing the technology uh at the same time the there it seems like there has to be a very fast follow to uh actually get the self regulatory framework drafts over the line and in a place where they're not going to continue to raise issues or or or, or worse basically come with a slightly watered down version of the crypto ban that next time is either much more expensive or impossible to strike down yeah absolutely so 
we have we we're following like uh, you know multiple things right now uh, the first thing is how do you ensure that the regulators in the country are comfortable with what you as an industry are doing the industry is adopting some self regulation uh, so what we want to do is uh, as part of the imai is to get a set of pointers you know it could be very simple something as simple as uh, simply following kyc uh, processes uh so that the regulators in our country when they finally want to regulate this uh ban is not the only thing that that's going on in their mind but the fact that the industry can self regulate industry has put out some uh, you know x number of steps that they follow already uh because uh, see uh, let's go a little back and think about why they want a ban uh all the time they said that the ban the reason for the ban is because uh there's either uh, criminal activities being performed using cryptocurrencies or uh, there are these uh, it's hard for them to track the flow or the you know the money flow in the country with crypto so if you can solve these two things i think most of the regulators in any country would be comfortable with that uh, which happens right from kyc and uh, you know you following in all the aml policies so as an industry we are setting out all these uh, simple guidelines for every crypto business to follow uh the second part is we are also trying to engage with the regulators we are trying to get meetings with them uh right now the problem is uh, there's a lockdown in our country uh, because of the covid-19 situation so uh so we are sort of you know a little slower on what we are doing but i think uh, the objective is to meet the regulators and tell them that uh, see the thing is what has happened for a long time in india is uh, the crypto industry has sort of performed in the shadows uh there's no one been up front talking about crypto in the country uh there's no one talking uh, being uh, bringing a legitimate face uh, as an organization as an industry is what we've been successful in doing in the last 2 years uh like mm-hmm. for example i've been i've been openly running a campaign india wants crypto uh the objective was to spread the information about crypto and also have a voice and a face and you know some legitimacy should be brought in the net in the ecosystem so mm-hmm. i think now we have a lot of that Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs in the country today who are in crypto they openly talk about it they're openly out there um, you know be it articles written on blog posts on media everyone's trying to go out now and i think that's very very important because the more vocal we are i think the more closer we get to regulatory uh, uh, success so yeah i think we are doing that we have we, we have some guidelines we have some uh, very vocal uh, stuff happening we are all talking about crypto in the country uh the third is uh, we are also trying to meet our uh, ministers our elected representatives in the government and uh, i met a few of them and uh, surprisingly you know they've been very positive about uh, crypto uh, they they like the fact that uh, crypto is innovative and uh, that you know it's a technology that india should adopt uh, so it's not all dark out here uh, you know it's a mix of both it's just that i think uh, uh, the mm-hmm. in general negative news travels faster than positive and uh, that's probably the only reason why we hear less of positive news about uh, crypto in india right now yeah well uh you have different filter bubbles uh within crypto uh by asset or, or or by community but you also have different filter bubbles by you know geography right so um even even a country like china uh whose uh, crypto ecosystem is is on par or maybe even slightly larger than the united states uh there there's still you know tremendous misunderstandings of of kind of how business works uh what the ecosystem looks like how how um 
how exchanges are performing and, and kind of what the, the net flows are, not to mention that the, the lion's share of mining you know, capacities in China. So um, if that's the case for China, um, you can imagine what that's like in Singapore and India and in, in all the you know smaller regions, even Japan, a, a larger economy. Um, I find, uh, you know, often because of language barriers, there are uh, pretty, pretty significant uh, differences in, in, in what people understand. Um, while it's not all bad news, um, and in fact, you could you could think about this maybe as a, a catalyzing event in, in late 2016. Um, what what was the reaction um, and and kind of general end user sentiment in crypto in late 2016, early 2017 during this kind of surprise demonetization effort from from the central bank? Because um, I won't remember the exact denominations, but I, I think they uh, I think that there was a, a, a slashing in the um, size of the largest bill that people would have access to. Uh, it was something like you know five x or ten x um, reduction in, in terms of the largest denomination available uh, to cut down on illicit activity. Um, at the same time, though, there was this you know operating in the shadows component to to, to crypto. Um, was there a good chunk of behind the scenes activity? Was was this something that you know was kind of top of everybody's mind uh, in the crypto community as, as a potential opportunity? Or at that point, was there still too much fear to be overly public uh, and, and to be seen as capitalizing uh, on, on a movement that's, you know, ultimately uh, was brought into effect to crack down on money laundering, right? So, if crypto entrepreneurs just kind of raise their hand and said, oh, well, you can't launder through the, the banking system through cash anymore, but, you know, we're still right here and you can move much larger amounts, it probably would have raised some red flags. Um, how uh, how was the, the general vibe uh, around that? Because in the West, everybody said, oh, this is a perfect case study for why, why crypto is so important, right? This kind of oblivious mentality to what the reality actually was on the ground. Were we totally off? Um I think, yeah, sort of, because if you, uh, 2016, crypto was not really uh, the way it is today in India, where I would say uh, everyone has at least heard of Bitcoin. That was not the case in 2016. That mm -hmm. happened uh, in, I think, the December bull run is mm -hmm. where uh, crypto, uh, Bitcoin, at least as a term, became really popular. Uh, I think up until 2017, this was a very niche thing in the country. So uh, I would say just uh, uh, really people... I mean, it would be hard for you to come across people who um, knew about uh, Bitcoin and bought Bitcoin in 2016 in India. Uh, that's a very small niche of people. Uh, so uh, even the press hardly wrote about it. Uh, I'll give you an example. If it if this demonetization happened today, uh, this would be all over the press about you know how uh, people will buy Bitcoins and you know it won't work because uh, they'll just move to a digital asset. And all those stuff, but that that narrative did not exist in 2016. Mm -hmm. So I won't be surprised that maybe a small portion of people who knew about it or understood uh, what Bitcoin was, maybe they tried to do this. Uh, but again, I would like like to tell you that even back then, uh, whatever uh, we were not there as an exchange, but whatever exchanges existed in India in 2016, they still had KYCs. Uh, mm -hmm. So you know, I, I don't believe that. Uh, uh, crypto exchanges or crypto wallets in the country ever enabled it uh, uh, such that you could anonymously, let's say, buy crypto and go out or, you know, take the money out. I don't think that ever happened in India. Uh, it was always, uh, there was always KYC. And I think uh, that's a good thing uh, because it helps uh, build trust in this ecosystem. 
uh, without KYC, you will have a lot of unwanted, uh, you know, incidents happening, which we don't want as an industry. Yep, of course. Um, where um, where is the enthusiasm right now for assets beyond Bitcoin? Uh, I mean, I can make the argument that at a global scale, most everything is about speculation still. Um, Bitcoin is far and away the most important asset right now. Um, you have a couple of, of up and coming protocols uh, in, in India. Maddox team is is you know probably the largest, I believe. Uh, you know that that's kind of based and 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 and, and very concentrated in um, in India. But is it still just about Bitcoin, right? Are people just making their first purchases, or, or, or are you starting to see um, new communities uh, of developers or or you know other enthusiasts crop up around Ethereum or Matic or or you know other ecosystems. Where where is the heat beyond Bitcoin, um, if at all? Yeah. See, if you were to um, look at this from an entry point of view, everyone I would say almost everyone gets in for Bitcoin. Uh, so even now, the uh, the pull factor is Bitcoin. That's the uh, uh, you know I would say ninety percent of the people who sign up, uh, even on our exchange, is because they want to buy that first Bitcoin. Uh, so that's the uh, pull factor even today. Uh, once you get into crypto with Bitcoin, after a point in time, see, the thing is, the beautiful thing about crypto is you don't stop at Bitcoin. Uh, your curiosity peaks after you buy Bitcoin. So you start uh, learning about what else exists in this space. And then you come across all the other altcoins. Um, um, and then you get drawn into, uh, of all the alts, I think Ethereum is the uh, second biggest. After after mm -hmm. Bitcoin, I think it's Ethereum and then Tron, um, uh, XRP. So I think these three to four uh, next set of coins that people discover, and uh, you know some some stick to one or two of them, and then some go deeper into this. Uh, so it filters down. I think fifty percent stick to Bitcoin; they never move to anything else. Uh, then the other twenty to thirty percent go for the top altcoins. And then, the, uh, you know, some trickle down to the next maybe 20, 30 top altcoins. And then you have a very small percentage, about 5%, who get into every kind of altcoin that you can think of. So that's mm -hmm. the uh, distribution. Um, in terms of, you know, awareness, what I'm seeing in India is uh, there's this two set of uh, people. Some who uh, are completely into uh, crypto trading and, uh, you know, speculation and, um probably uh, in that direction. The other is into technology and uh, they're investing it in uh, the future protocols being built, like Matic, for example, what you spoke about. Uh, all of these need a deeper level of understanding before you go into uh, investments in those spaces, uh, because you first need to understand what are these uh, uh, you know, layer two solutions, what's the, what are the DeFi protocols. So those exist, uh, but that's still on a smaller scale today in India. India is fascinating uh, with Bitcoin in particular for a couple of reasons. Um, one, there is a relatively high inflation rate uh, in the country. You know, I think you know, the last 12 months, there have been months where inflation was as low as 3% and as high as uh, you know, over 7%. Um, so on the one hand, uh, you know, historically, inflation rate has been higher than uh, some of the Western economies uh, who might be running it at one, two percent, or even you know flat uh, or, or slightly deflationary. 
Um, on the other hand, there's also a strong uh, cultural element of owning gold, in particular jewelry. Um, I'm curious, you know, if if on the one hand the inflation is not quite high enough, right? It's like right at the cusp, but it's not quite high enough to move the needle one way or the other. And then on the other hand, if uh, as opposed to, you know, maybe Western uh, countries where you talk about physical gold and it is thought of as, as primarily an investment versus, um, you know, culturally, you know, the importance of actually wearing gold in, in India is, makes it for a completely different use case. Or if, if Bitcoin and digital assets are starting to attract folks that might have purchased gold or might be worried about inflation. Does that, does that have any bearing whatsoever? Or um, are the majority of folks just drawn to the fact that this is an asset that's been wildly successful. It's grown, you know, a thousand X or, or, or whatever from when it was first kind of introduced uh, and, and you know, made available through some services in the country, you know, before the original crypto ban. Um, what, um, what's kind of driving this and, and how do you, how do you market? Because uh, I'd imagine it's a it's a different pitch than you might see from Europe or China or, or the U.S. Yeah. Um, see, if you look at uh, yeah, the see, Bitcoin's had ha- has so many narratives uh, and you know different narratives for different uh, geographies because uh, the narrative of uh, Bitcoin as a better cash does not work in India uh, because the uh, the local uh, you know banking system is so quick. I can send money to anyone. Uh, in India today, I, I can I can send fiat within a few seconds. Uh, it doesn't matter what banks uh, you know you have accounts with, and I don't have to pay anything. It's uh, there's no transaction fee at all uh, for me sending money to anyone, my friends and all. So that narrative is not what works here. What's working here is uh, it's seen as uh, you know the digital version of gold in a way or a store of value, uh, and as an option optional a new kind of investment. Uh, Think about the, uh, you know, the investment options that you have today in general. It's either uh, you can buy equity or you can buy, uh, let's say, the um, gold uh, commodities or you could buy properties, real estate. I think these are the only three options. Uh, And what is happening is the young generation of India, which is like a large population, they do not really connect with any of these uh, traditional uh, methods of investment uh, because it's, you know, I just feel that when I talk to people, they say it's so old school to invest in equities, you know, or uh, uh, land or gold. But when it comes to crypto, they see technology first and they get excited about it. They get excited about the fact that they're the ones who get to know and their parents and their elders, they have to explain it to them. You know, that's the fun part. You you get on the internet, you know, the early of the internet, you used to go to the internet because no one else understood it. No one else got it. Uh, you could tell your friends that I, I browsed on the internet, I saw this on the internet. Uh, you could go back and brag about it. And that's what is happening to crypto in India. Uh, the early movers are bragging about the fact that they found something interesting, new, and it's different compared to what everyone else in the country has been investing in. Uh, that's boring. And I think that is the narrative that's going on really well out here. And uh, you know, people are going in to know what is this. I think the curiosity level is peaked right now in the country where everyone's trying to understand what's this new thing uh, because the old things are always boring i have money to invest but i don't want to invest in what my uh, parents did what my grandparents did i want to invest in something new and uh, crypto is seen as a new class of investment that you can do mm-hmm. um so i think 
the uh, we, we got a couple questions from, uh, from from folks in the audience. I want to I want to get to one is around infrastructure beyond just trading and, and making your first purchase. So things like lending and, and margin. Um, how do you think about adding new assets on the one hand, new products and services on the other to the platform outside of the core exchange uh, infrastructure? Uh, so if you are asking about Vazirex in particular, right now we are focused on the whole uh, adoption part where we want to onboard people easily to crypto. Uh, that's our mm -hmm. single focus right now because uh, if you look at India, a very small portion of the country, very tiny portion of the country knows about Bitcoin or crypto, um, has access to it. So our first objective is how do we give more access to uh, crypto in India, which means you have to make the time to buy your first crypto uh, as low as possible. So I'm trying to bring it down to, let's say, uh, maybe under five minutes. Where can I tell? go and tell my friend who's never purchased crypto that you can buy and you can own crypto within five minutes now? Uh, we, we're trying to do that. So that's our first objective. Uh, as far as all these DeFi are concerned, I think I, I'm a big believer of the DeFi protocol uh, simply because I think what is happening in that space is very early, but I think it's magical. Uh, you know, being able to uh, borrow and lend and not have anyone in between, just program, just, uh, just you know, code doing it. Uh, I think that's phenomenal. And the day that is really uh, smoothened out and all these hacks and stuff, they become like, you know, old news and uh, it's all evolved. I think the world wouldn't, uh, uh, you know, go into borrowing and lending any other way than this. So I want to get in early, but I think it's a little too early for us. Uh, right now, we want to crack the onboarding of uh, people to crypto first and then get into all these deeper uh, DeFi aspects and stuff. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Um, we, we touched on this a little bit, uh, but uh, Shalika asks, uh, how should Indian startups uh, dwell on the current regulatory uh, scenario in India? So I'll, I'll, I'll put a little bit of a spin on this. How can new entrants uh, get involved with some of the efforts that you and, and this trade group are, are already actively involved with? I think to uh, start with, um, I'm, I'm always there on uh, Twitter all the time replying to people. So uh, if you want any help, feel free to message me. I'm there. Uh, the other is, I think uh, the regulatory aspect, this problem exists everywhere in the country. Uh, there's no, I, I, I'm yet to come across any crypto entrepreneur who says I'm happy about the regulatory aspect in my country. I don't think that's happening. Everyone's, uh, uh, you know, worried about it. But here's the fact that uh, it's a tech technology and technology never gets uh, banned. It gets adopted. Uh, countries will adapt to it. It just takes longer. Uh, every, every regulation takes a long time. So I think uh, while we should be aware of it, it should not deter us from getting into building businesses. If you're building a business in the right direction, right way, uh, I don't think you should be worried too much about it. Just be aware about it. It's good to be aware that uh, there, are, there are problems, regulatory problems. But, uh, you know, all you can do is build and show to, the, show, show, show to your country that great products can be built in this space in India, for example. I think that's what we are also trying to do. Uh, our focus is can we build something that helps people because the government will eventually see that there are five or ten businesses in the country that are doing great in this ecosystem. Let's regulate. Uh, what happens is if entrepreneurs don't start up, then the country has no motivation to get into regulating. Ban is so easy. You know, just ban it. I don't have to work as a regulator. But if you have five to ten uh, companies in the country that are doing great, 
then what happens is i'll have to work with them to regulate it so i i'm a great believer that more and more people should start in india and this is an amazing space it's so early you know it's like uh, i wish i had started a e-commerce site in 1995 uh, but today i think mm-hmm. what you would wish 10 15 years later is that you wish you were in crypto so i think now is the time to be in crypto in india um i'm happy to help in any way i can awesome um well that kind of touches on the last question that i want to ask uh which is what do you think might be um the indian ecosystems unique contributions uh to crypto at at, at a global scale right uh if if you think about um you know different regions of the world you know i could argue that argentina has become like a test bed for defi and stablecoin adoption because of the high inflation rate there um you know obviously you know the us and china and 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 others you know are are just the largest ecosystems um but i'd say you know japan um may have been most forward thinking in terms of active engagement and and regulatory standards it made sense and and really became pervasive around things like disclosures and kind of exchange best practices um in korea it, kind of the unique angle was just the the sheer penetration uh and speculation for better and for worse during during kind of the the excess in in 2017 um is there something today that you think sets the indian ecosystem apart or 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 you know what when the story is written in in 10 years looking backwards what do you think will be the unique um you know value add that uh that indian entrepreneurs or the indian ecosystem you know writ large was was able to contribute to to move things forward see i think uh i would say the one of the biggest contribution that we would make uh is you know giving crypto that mass adoption that today seems to be lacking uh and if you look at uh, in india usually we are we are late to the party in terms of uh, products online be it uh, twitter be it facebook we be, be it instagram we are late to the party but when we come to the party we come in large numbers and you know that's what i see uh, happening to crypto because of india maybe in the next 2 to 3 years uh, if the if the de- the pace of development keeps up and uh, we are able to reach a stage where mass audiences can use uh, crypto products i think india will be one of the biggest contributor because the rate at which awareness of crypto is spreading today it's uh, it's mind boggling uh, tens and thousands of people get, discover crypto every day in india now and that's going to just bubble up you know tech you know the network effect model when it catches up in the next 6 to 12 months it's going to bubble into tens and millions of people in india understanding crypto and mm-hmm. when that happens and if you have products that cater to the indian audience or you know to, to the to the right kind of audiences out here you'll get millions of people using your product and the best thing is indians use uh, global products if you see how india behaves as a country uh, it's not close to only indian made products it uses products globally made like we are on facebook we are on twitter we are, we are everywhere uh, wherever there are good products so so the the beauty is the whole world can build for india it's not like only indians have to build for india anyone in the world can build for india uh, and india has a ton of uh, enthusiastic young population which can actually adapt and uh, start using these products i think that's going to be the biggest uh, contribution in the next 2 to 3 years we are the users well you know what? i'm going to i'm going to hold you to that and you heard it here first the uh the indian retail users the young populace is going to be the catalyst for the next major bull run and maybe it'll be the the rupee uh premium versus the kimchi premium from a couple of years ago in in Korea. Um 
Nishal, where can people find you uh, online and, and uh, how, how can they learn a little bit more about uh, WazirX? So I'm on uh, Twitter, Nishal Shetty is my handle. And uh, you know you can go to wazirx.com. And uh, if you haven't, if you're watching this, you obviously are into crypto, but at least tell your friends to um, you know at least uh, understand what crypto is and we are happy to help you on board there. Excellent. Uh, Michelle, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we'll be in touch soon. Thanks for having me on the show, Ryan. It was great.